0: Hey everyone, welcome to Sailing the Seas of Education. My name is Rad Mayfield and these podcast voyages focus on issues relevant to teachers' roles as educational leaders. The winds of education are constantly changing. These voyages exemplify the great things that our teacher leaders are doing as we navigate the challenging seas of education. Sailing those seas of education, like real sailing, which I love, requires the crew to work collaboratively to reach their destination. So let's get sailing! In a previous episode, I spoke with Josh Tripp, a principal in a small to medium-sized high school in Maine, about how he identifies, supports, develops, and utilizes his teacher leaders to help him provide the best educational experience for everyone, students and teachers alike. One of the keys he identified about teacher leadership is the importance of providing development opportunities for aspiring teacher leaders. He pointed out how fortunate he has been to have the support of his district and school to not only pursue improvement of his own leadership as a principal, but to also know that his teaching staff are afforded opportunities to become strong leaders as well. He also expressed strongly how important he feels the opportunities teachers have to collaborate with one another in interdisciplinary professional learning groups is. For this episode, I've contacted a couple of young emerging teacher leaders, whom I also know personally from North Carolina. By chance, both of these young ladies work in the Orange County, North Carolina schools in the Chapel Hill area. My own teaching career began at East Tennessee State University as a graduate student, working with a great teacher in his own right, Dr. Tom Upwall. Tom was a fantastic mentor and helped me develop many of the skills I still use today as a teacher and leader. His wife Sonda was also a teacher in nursing education with many years of very successful work in the field and finished her career at UNC Chapel Hill as a clinical professor in the School of Nursing. It was sort of in the cards for their daughter Annika to become a teacher and I'll be visiting with her in this episode. She is an emerging teacher leader in her school, gravelly middle school, and in her school system. I hear great things about her work from her parents, of course. Currently, she's in her seventh year as a teacher. In 2021, she was voted the Orange County Schools Teacher of the Year. No small accolade for a teacher of only five years, especially in light of the fact that this was during the peak of the pandemic. The second emerging teacher leader I will be speaking with is a former student of mine and a daughter of dear friends who also happen to be a retired teaching couple, Nancy and Greg Eisenhower. Nancy was a beloved middle school teacher at East Rutherford Middle School, and Greg was my neighbor, colleague, and mentor in the science department for the early years of my career at East Rutherford High School. He shares my love for the outdoors and getting students outside, and we had some great times in the North Carolina mountains with students like Laura, who is now a high school English teacher of nine years, seven of which have been at Cedar Ridge High School in Hillsborough, North Carolina, where she is now. I keep up with her through her parents as well, and through social media, and I know she is a rock star of a teacher. In 2016, Laura had the opportunity to experience a teacher exchange in Finland and I'm going to be asking her about that experience in what is consistently considered one of the best school systems in the world. So for this episode, I'm going to be focusing on these teachers' development as teacher leaders in some of the best schools in North Carolina. I will also be asking about the extent to which they have participated in collaborative work during their careers. Welcome to the program ladies. I'm just so proud to have you both here both for professional and personal reasons. I'm just so very excited about this conversation.
1: Me too. Thank you so much for having us Rad. Thanks.
0: Yeah this is gonna be a blast. You both have known me a long time and so you also know that I'm nearing the denouement of my career as an educator. You guys represent the young and upcoming group of teacher leaders and I'm just really excited about all the possibilities that people like yourselves bring to the field. Orange County is certainly lucky to have you both as teacher leaders. It's so great that we have young teachers like you guys to help carry education forward into the future. I'd just like for both of you to share a little bit about yourselves as teachers and uh, yeah how you got into the field of education. Hey, just to simplify that question, what is it you love about teaching? Because you both clearly love it. And Hanukkah, why don't, why don't you go first with this one?
1: Okay. Um, I would say I did stumble into teaching a little bit, although I think when I was in second and third grade, I probably said when I grew up, I wanted to be a second grade teacher or a third grade teacher. But ultimately, in college, I two different people called me up and said, hey, there's a middle school English teaching position at a summer program in Durham, and they need someone. And I thought of you. And when two different people, unrelated, contacted me about that same opportunity, I really had to pause and rethink my summer plans for that summer and I'm really glad that I did because that was a life-changing life, life changing summer um, teaching with Student U, which is a college access program in Durham. Um, and so I really only got my feet wet, um, but that was enough to just really kind of change the course of um, my career goals. And so I realized that that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to work with um, young people, and I wanted to do so in a way that, um, inspired them and, um, facilitated their learning and gave them a space to grow and develop and explore the world. And, um, but I wanted to do so intentionally. I graduated without an education degree from UNC and, um, I decided to pursue an MAT to try to give me the skills and tools that I would need to be able to teach Spanish, which I realized I was incredibly passionate about teaching because it had been so impactful on my life. And um, so I had an incredible mentor there that helped me as well as a wonderful collaborative teacher for um, student teaching. And um, But really, ultimately, I love teaching because I think it is transformative. Um, I think that anything is possible on our best and worst days. Um, During the pandemic, I um, of course came up against challenges, but I decided to write on a post-it note, um, can't. I crossed that out and wrote what is possible because I think with teaching, we really have to think about what is possible and so much is possible. So much is possible in our students and, in partnerships with their families and with each other. And I think just um, the ways that I've seen uh, people come together over the last couple of years um, has been really amazing and has made me wanna stay in the teaching field because so much can be done when we do it together. And when we go into it with the lens that um, that we we can do anything, we can try anything and see what happens.
0: That's awesome, Monica, thanks. How about you, Laura? What brought you into teaching and what do you love about it?
2: Um, So kind of like Annika, when I was a little kid, I also would say that I was going to grow up to become a teacher. And I think that that was because that was pretty much all that I knew since both of my parents were teachers. My aunt and uncle were teachers. My cousin was a teacher. So I was from a whole family of educators. And then at a certain point in time, maybe when I was in high school, I said that I was going to be anything but a teacher so that I could be different and not do the same thing that everyone in my family had done. But then I took a teacher cadet class in high school my senior year. And I also, we had senior projects back then. And so I also focused my senior project on working at a local elementary school. And I Um interned, I guess, with uh, Joy Van Dyke, who was an elementary school educator. She's now a principal um, back home where I'm from. But working with her and working with those kids, I realized that it was something that I was really good at and that I really enjoyed. Um, And I realized that it was a profession that mattered a lot and a profession that I was never going to be bored in. Um, And As I kind of grew up and figured out what level I wanted to teach at and I went through all of them. I started as an elementary ed major and then I changed to middle grades and then I changed to doing secondary education um, eventually. But as I did that I realized that there's more to it even than that with teaching I can be creative and I can combine all of my interests. Um, I'm kind of like you Annika, I also majored in Spanish as well as English and I didn't really intend to teach Spanish. I did for one year but I just knew that having that skill would be beneficial to my ESL students. I thought I might be able to teach English in kind of a different way and make an impact on a different sort of audience in the classroom and I found that it's been a very fulfilling career and a career, like I said, that I can infuse my passion for art. I can infuse history, which I also really enjoy. I can work in my knowledge of Spanish and cultural awareness. And um, there are not a lot of careers that allow you to combine all of your interests and make an impact at the same time.
0: Man, it seems like you guys have a lot in common related to education. You teach in the same area. You have the same educational backgrounds. Seems like it's a a good match for the program today. And I'm really proud of both of you and all you've accomplished in teaching. Hey, do either of you hold formal leadership roles in your school? Things like department chair or leadership team membership? Um... Do you consider yourselves leaders in your school? What do you do that you would consider leadership in your schools? How about you start this time, Laura?
2: Okay. Um, at my school level, I'm a member of some different teams. Like I'm a member of our equity team. And I think that I've been sort of a voice that people turn to, to work with ELL students. Cause I also have an ELL certification, you know, teaching English but I don't hold any official leadership roles at the school. I have been involved in the district, um, at the district level with the NCAE, the North Carolina Association of Educators for the past five years. Um, I've been kind of in and out of roles there as vice president and secretary and switching back and forth, but I don't hold any at the school.
0: So, I believe you told me earlier, Laura, that your school has department chairs. At our school, any leadership roles that you take on or assume roles and in an area that you're interested in being a part of. So, it's sort of a different situation. How about you, Annika?
1: Um, I've had some different formal roles over the years. I think my first formal role was um, elective team leader. So, that um, just kind of meant I was the go to person to email about. Um, things people wanted the elective team to know. But I kind of um, made that role my own and wanted to bring us together more as a team. And I did that through just organizing some lunches. I think we did a once a month lunch, we would do a theme chili or a pizza or a sandwich theme. And so that um, was a nice way to bring us together because ultimately we all teach very different content areas and um, don't Plan that often together, um, and so it's just a good time to connect. This year, I am um, on the instructional leadership team at my school, and so that's been um, interesting work to be involved in. Um, I've also been a beginning teacher mentor, as well as a student check-in check-out uh, mentor. Uh, let's see, I've been—I'm uh, on the North Carolina teacher teacher leadership council. This year, which is a new initiative by the superintendent to try to bring more teacher voice into um, legislative decisions. And um, so that I think is a work in progress.
0: That's great because we definitely need more teacher voice in legislative work. That's for darn sure.
1: Yes. (laughs) So it's been great to um, see that uh, playing out and to be a part of it. Um, And I hope that as time goes on, that group develops into a a powerful voice. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would say, you know, a lot of my leadership, I think comes from the non-formal roles. I think I have a passion for bringing people together. And I think, uh, good leaders lift up other people's voices and, and bring them together to do, um, small and big things.
0: You're absolutely correct on that, Annika, for sure. Bringing teachers together to work is so important. One of the things I learned in my own research relates to the power of collaboration and that it's just as powerful a thing as anyone can do in education. And we're definitely going to talk about that here in just a little bit. Hey, Laura, I've always wanted to hear about the experience that you had in Finland. I know they're consistently considered one of the best school systems in the world could you just share with our listeners a bit about what that experience was like? seems like it must've been fantastic.
2: Yeah, that was a fantastic experience. I learned a lot from that experience. Uh, we did. So that was a part of a program that was funded by um, Bochart Fund and it was through NC State University. And um, it was a group of teachers from Wake County, Orange County, um, Durham, maybe Johnson, Chatham. So kind of around the the central part of North Carolina, Um, but they were all teachers of different levels. And before we actually went to Finland, we um, set up partnerships with classrooms in Finland. Um, So I had a, a pen pal situation with a teacher in Finland her classroom or writing letters to my creative writing class and so I got to work with her a little bit before the trip and then I actually got to meet her and see the school that she worked at um, when we were in Finland which was just kind of by chance Um, that wasn't the case for a lot of the partnerships but um, and we had several classes at NC State prior to actually going to Finland as well. So we were learning about the education system, but some of the things that struck me the most um, that really are probably the reasons that Finland has such success are um, probably the time difference. So students at the secondary, upper secondary level um, sit for four hours a day versus our typical six. And teachers, there is built-in time for teachers to plan and collaborate in the, like, paid working hours, dedicated weekly time, in addition to their planning time.
0: Is that on a daily basis, or is that like they have a day of the week where they get some extra planning time?
2: I believe it varies by the school's. But the school that I was partnering with, the teacher that I got to talk with, they had Wednesdays dedicated as days for teachers to collaborate and plan without the students. So um,
0: so they had a four-day school week mm-hmm. and four hours of contact time for the days they were there?
2: I know that. The typical day begins between 9, 9.45 and ends between 2, 2.45 p.m. for students. And then so there's more time during the paid hours of teachers to actually collaborate and plan, built in.
0: It's interesting. There are some schools here in Maine that have some dedicated time like that for teacher collaboration. In fact, the principal that I interviewed in the first episode of the podcast, his school lets out oh, an hour and a little bit early every Friday. And then the teachers meet in professional learning groups. They um, have particular things they focus on. It's not just planning time for teachers. And he loves it.
2: It's just generally teachers are looked at in a much more positive light than I think they are in the United States. The general respect and value that's placed on teachers in Finland The education programs at the universities are very competitive. There are lots of applicants. They're held in the same regard as positions. And and teachers, this is kind of linked, but teachers are also given a lot of autonomy and trust. There's not mandated curriculum. There are not all these standardized tests like we have, um, especially in the elementary level. There's less pressure on the students, which has resulted in better results. So, Laura, how long ago were you there? I was in 2016. Or right, I'm also doing another program this summer in Zimbabwe.
0: Oh. oh, you are? Well, tell me a little bit about that.
2: Um, so, this one is a Chart Scholar through Go Global NC. This is like a fully paid for trip to Zimbabwe to study the education system there.
0: Do they need any more teachers to go along on that? <laughs>
2: so it's, it's already been a enriching, an enriching experience so far. We've had um, virtual trainings and virtual speakers that have talked um, from Zimbabwe, some educators there. Um, also, some people who are in like the government and involved in education have spoken with us from Zimbabwe. Um, I think that's going to be really interesting um, to see another education system after having been to Finland and kind of studied their education system. And I also student taught in Costa Rica.
0: Yep. I remember that.
2: That education system as well. And I, I, it kind of fascinates me to see how different um, countries around the world are.
0: Yeah, when I was in North Carolina, I didn't ever do any long-term exchange experiences, but I went on three different Educators of Excellence Institutes with the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. I went to Belize and Yellowstone and Ecuador. We visited schools in all those places and interacted with the teachers and students, um, and even taught some lessons, and it was really interesting to see their approaches to teaching. Congratulations on your Zimbabwe trip. It sounds like a lot of fun. Thanks. Hey, Annika, you were the Orange County Teacher of the Year, and that had to come with a lot of responsibilities, and I'm guessing some experiences related to teacher leadership as well. You probably made the news and such. Why don't you tell our listeners a bit about that experience and the value it held for you? Well, I don't know
1: about the news, but... Um... It was fun, I mean, it was a huge honor. It was a really unexpected honor. I think uh, most educators probably fall under the modest category like I do and don't really see ourselves as superstars, Um, although all teachers are. um, But I was um, shocked in a very pleasant way to find out that I was selected out of uh, so many amazing teachers in our district and you know during COVID, um, I think the district would probably have a dinner where they would reveal the winner. Um, but instead they did a Facebook live event, and I was told to be ready at my apartment in case at a certain time. And so there it was. And all of a sudden the Facebook live seemed to be videoing a group in my what looked like maybe my parking lot of my apartment. And so I kind of started freaking out inside and started getting very nervous that I was maybe gonna have to go outside. (laughs) But anyways, it was a huge honor and um, it was a really impactful year. And I think being teacher of the year is a really interesting position to be in. Um, You're not really sure if it's an award or if it's a position. Um, And I think that for myself, I took it on as a position, especially um, during the 2020-2021 school year where we ended that year um, totally virtually. We started the next year totally virtually. We pivoted to hybrid in the spring, ended the year with some of our students still totally virtual. Most of our kids uh, came back in hybrid. And so um, there was, there was a lot of teacher voices to be lifted that year for sure. And so I tried to make myself available and to be in different circles where I was able to help, uh, relay certain concerns and feedback to our district. And some of those were, were formal positions like on feedback teams. And I was on the invited to be on the COVID-19 uh, metrics task force when we had that, um, But I would say, uh, you know, one of the huge honors was getting to address the whole district in our kind of back to school commencement at the beginning of the year, as well as to kind of um, share a closing address at the end of the year as we passed, um, as I passed uh, the honor to the next teacher of the year. And So it was really, um, a really challenging um, task.
0: I'd bet it was.
1: One was fully virtual, which I was really grateful for. The second one, the closing address, was um, a Facebook Live event at the right. new Teacher of the Year's school.
0: Well, congratulations on all of the things that came along with being Teacher of the Year and on being selected for that great honor. That was quite an honor for a young teacher to receive. Hey, Onika, are there any other experiences that you've had that you'd like to talk about outside of your Teacher of the Year experience that you um, feel have been instrumental in developing you as a teacher leader?
1: Um, You know, I think maybe not life-changing, but just some important realizations around leadership. I think one of the big lessons that I've learned is you never know till you ask. Um, and looking back on um, my master's program, my, my main mentor, my main professor, Dr. Jennifer Wooten, um, included go, having us go to the State Foreign Language Association uh, Conference as part of our course. Um, and that was really impactful that um, she included that as part of the course and basically set the standard that this is something you do. This is something you do as a teacher, you're always learning, you're always collaborating with others. And if someone says that there isn't money, go ask someone else. Um, And so I've appreciated that approach to you never know till you ask. I think that's benefited me a lot as a leader. Um, That's helped me launch several different kind of initiatives at my school that I think if I were nervous to ask I wouldn't have ever made a first step and so that has I think benefited me from being able to go to conferences being able to present at conferences um, but also just to develop new student groups at school such as uh, language buddies is a group that I developed to match newcomer students who speak Spanish with uh, my students who are learning Spanish and are good friends, good buddies. um, So matching them up during academic time. Um, A lot of this work has been done with other teachers. I have a a great colleague who uh, together we rethought what assessment should look like at the end of the year for world language students. Um, So we wanted to move away from a traditional model of vocabulary and grammar and just a right and a multiple choice uh, type test and especially at the end of last year um, after such a strange year we thought it was crazy to be asked to administer the same final exam as previous years when our students had you know no maybe 30 maybe 30 percent of the instructional t- instructional time as they had before And so we uh, started researching proficiency-based assessments and came across um, a national one with the abbreviation of APPLE, it's letters. And um, so again, you never know until you ask. We uh, did a lot of research. We met with other teachers who had used it. We uh, asked our administrator what uh, she thought and she was on board and sent us to the next person. We asked there and Eventually we got uh, district funding to pilot it for this year. Um, and so I think just being fearless and asking and uh, you never know where that takes you.
0: Hey, so you've kind of started talking about the topic I wanted to bring up next, Donica. One of the things I've always felt was a key to my success as a teacher is related to opportunities I've had to collaborate with their teachers, though they certainly haven't occurred as often as I I would have liked them to. My research suggests that that's true across high schools, that teachers tend to sort of work in their own little insular environments rather than working in groups. I tried to develop opportunities at our school for collaboration through professional learning groups to deal with the totally revamped model of instruction we were trying to undertake under the influence of the pandemic. So, Laura, one of the things I wanted to ask you is what level of time for collaboration are you afforded as a high school teacher by the Orange County School System?
2: Well, that's a, I'm not exactly sure how to answer that question because how much time I'm afforded by the system is very, very little to none. However... The time that we make is a lot. Um, I have been really, really lucky uh, at the school that I'm at to be a part of the, the English department because all of the English teachers at my school are rock star teachers. And I mean, they're all phenomenal, phenomenal teachers. And it's a very close department as well. I, I would say we're probably the closest department at my school. We're all friends, we do things outside of school, we do professional things outside of school and we do fun things outside of school. And I just cannot imagine ever working with coworkers that are as amazing as the ones that I have been lucky to work with. I feel like I've learned so much from them and I feel like as a department, we collaborate a good deal. And we've also done some good collaboration with the history department at school. And I've done some good collaboration with the theater teacher, as well as the art teacher with my creative writing classes. We've done some really cool projects. Um, One year, my creative writing, two students wrote a play that the theater department turned into a film. And so we've had like neat kind of partnerships like that. But I do kind of want to talk about something that we had going for a few good years. Um, We haven't talked about the leadership component at the high school as far as administrators. We've had extreme administrative turnover since I've been there. I've been there for seven years um, and there have been more than seven administrators. We have had so many. This year we have new assistant principal team so
0: and is that because they've moved on to positions elsewhere did they just leave education or go back to the classroom what kinds of things have they moved on to
2: it, it's various reasons um
0: hey i would tell you that one of my colleagues actually wrote his dissertation on the impacts of leadership turnover seems like um Collaborative work is a really powerful means to build resilience in the face of those kinds of changes, and it just sounds like that's exactly what you and your colleagues have done. You guys, um, you know, have built this resilience that's so vital, because if you hadn't, your school might be floundering, right? So it speaks highly of your work and the roles that you and your colleagues have in leading your school and keeping it on the right tack. So kudos to all of you guys for that
2: it's an incredibly resilient staff with a lot of talented people in a lot of departments and um, office staff and counseling staff and all across the board. They're really good people working at that high school. But I mentioned the administrative thing because I think due to all of that turnover, we lost what was a really good collaborative program um, for ninth grade students and for 10th grade students, um, our high school is on a block schedule. So the t- typical classes are semester long. But we had created these classes for incoming freshmen who may not be at um, the right, like they may not be as proficient in reading or writing or they may not have performed well and their their standardized tests coming in or their reading levels, lexiles like might not be what they should be. So we had created a year-long class where the first part of the year was like a literacy studies. The second part of the year was the actual English 1 class. And we had four teachers working with these students throughout the whole year. We had a member of the um, EC team, class full-time, two English teachers, and an ELL teacher in the class full-time all year with these students. The newcomer students would also be in this class. They get that extra help. Right. So we would actually do like projects with the history teacher and we could like swap days that we were working together. We could all be together working and it really was effective in helping these students be more prepared to move on. And it continued for a brief time. There was also the same thing. Sophomore year, there was a year long class for students who still needed extra help where the history and the English teacher were paired up, ELL teacher and an EC teacher. Another good thing that was going on at that time was there was a conscientious choice made with scheduling so that we English teachers and the ELL teacher and the EC specialist all had common planning time. So we had the same planning period built into the day so we could collaborate and, work together much more effectively and then that got kind of just it just dissolved when we had like a big scheduling mix mix up um, because of all of the administrative turnover and it never came back because the new administrative teams didn't know about it or haven't registered it or haven't listened when we tell them about these good things that we were doing things have just gotten lost
0: i'm sorry for that laura it sounds like you had some great stuff happen in there and you lost powerful opportunities for collaborative work. Mm-hmm. How about you, Annika? Other collaborative efforts that you'd like to talk about?
1: Sure. Well, when Laura was talking about... Uh her experience in Finland um, and about how teachers had uh, so much more time to collaborate within the workday. That really struck a chord. That's something I've uh, been struggling with this year uh, as opposed to last year because last year when our district created kind of the the plan, we did not have Friday classes scheduled, um, but that day was meant for collaboration, for meetings, for checking in with students, potentially interventions with students. Um, But I have never collaborated so much with colleagues as I did last year. Um, And it was because we had the time and also because it was as easy as clicking a few buttons to set up a Zoom or a Google Meet. Uh, We didn't even have to walk down the hall or even next door. Um, And so I just wanted to share a couple of things, like really good things that came out of that time. One is that um, for one student, um, we had frequent team meetings of three or four different teachers that that student had to come together and check in about his progress and to try to figure out um, what he needed next from us. Um, so that was a student who had had a really challenging few few first years in the U.S. school system. Um, and so without that time, I think we all would have been kind of lost in how to provide support. Um, so that was one uh, really amazing part of the Friday time was checking in with that group of teachers after um, one or two of us had met with that student. and. Um, I also went through two different book studies, virtual book studies with other teachers during that time. The first one was uh, that I um, requested that my admin purchase a book about high leverage teaching strategies for world language teachers and um, my colleague um, who teaches French at school and was also my beginning teacher mentee. We went through that together so every week we would Um, talk about a chapter that we read. We would talk about um, how we would implement that in the future, maybe not at that moment, given where we were in the very beginning of COVID at that time. But that was a really impactful experience as well. Um, Another experience that we had on Fridays was uh, getting to come together as a whole staff in different ways. And so one uh, initiative that we started was Well, our district was sending out during um, one month weekly equity and uh, social justice um, challenge discussion questions and readings and articles. And I thought that was really great that they were doing that. Um, And I wanted to to do those readings, to watch those videos, to reflect on those questions but I thought it was kind of not as meaningful to do so by myself. And so I reached out to another teacher too and said, hey, do you think that we could get some people together to talk about these questions and to do this together? And they said, yeah, let's let's try it. And so we would kind of meet to kind of just make a format for a discussion. Um, And we ended up inviting the whole school. So we had um, several Friday weekly chats Uh, with with many of our uh, colleagues that some of us had never even met in person, Um, but we were having these important conversations all virtually. Um, And so that was another really great way that we used that Friday time.
0: I totally get that. The work that I wrote about in my dissertation was about a collaborative effort that I started at our school to help us deal with the issues related to COVID. We've only got about 39 teachers and uh, we organized into professional learning groups and there were teachers in my group of five individuals that, that I had outside a casual conversation in the hallway. It's just I, I didn't really know anything about them. It was one of the best outcomes of our POGs then. We all got to know each other just a lot better. We also got to talk professionally with teachers that we just never got to do that with. And the next thing I wanna talk about is where you guys think your career might be going. Based on the experiences you've had and your leadership activities, do you see yourself staying in the classroom? Do you envision yourself working in an administrative role, say as a building administrator or maybe a curriculum coordinator? Where Where do you think you're going? I know both of you would make awesome administrators.
1: I think that's a great question. I've, I've struggled with long-term career goals. Um, I tend to think about my professional life in two or three year cycles. Uh, When I first started teaching, I, my goal was to make it to year three. (laughs) And when I made it to year three, I checked in with myself and said, you know, how are things going? Can I keep at it? And I said, At that point, I was like, hands down, yes. Um, I definitely have another two or three years after that same thing. Um, So I don't know what my long-term plans are, but I have a hard time seeing myself leaving education for sure. And I think it's hard to see myself leaving teaching because of the direct impact I feel on a daily basis. And I just feel that I'm able to control what's in my control, my sphere of influence feels more centered, I think. Um, And I feel like I can be more responsible for what happens um, day to day. But some things that I want to experience are um, I'm pursuing my national boards right now. I um, will need to be turning that in in the next month or so.
0: That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear you're doing that. It's a fantastic experience. I just recertified this year for another 10 years, and both my initial certification and my recertification were some of the best things I've done in my career. You know, I think one of the best outcomes of doing that was just that I was, um, I just learned to be very reflective about my own practice and just to be thoughtful about, you know, where I have been and where I want to be. As I go forward as a teacher, I'm so glad to hear you're doing that too, Annika.
1: That's awesome. Uh, Something I would like to do is I would love to get, I would love to certify number one. And when I do, I would love to be able to mentor other teachers in that because I, that was something I didn't have. I didn't have anyone leading me through. Our district does not have any kind of formal support. Uh, structure, even though I've tried to advocate for that uh, over the last few years. And so I'd love to kind of help develop that network of support that I didn't have um, and to ensure other teachers can, can make it through easier, hopefully, than I did.
0: When did you say your portfolio is due?
1: It needs to be in the next month.
0: That deadline is looming, and I totally get that.
1: It's been interesting to do it over the last two years.
0: Yeah, I did mine while I was writing my dissertation and trying to lead collaborative work at school and all kinds of stuff. It was a busy time.
1: Part of it all ties in, right?
0: It does, it does.
1: Highlighting leadership, highlighting uh, professional learning and all those things. Right. But I think if I uh, did navigate out of teaching I would um, maybe be interested in curriculum development because that's something I really enjoy. Right. The creative process Um, although it would be challenging to do it for students that I didn't know Um, and then the other thing that might I think the only administrative position I would be curious to try out would be kind of a world language coordinator to get to work with other world language teachers, which again is, um, a position that I haven't really gotten to experience. And so I'd love to kind of be the person that I wish I had, um, earlier on in my career.
0: Well, certainly you still have time to develop your career in whatever direction you would like to. Hey, Laura, let's come back to you. Where do you think you're heading with your career? you want to be a building administrator, or do you have other aspirations outside of the classroom?
2: The immediate future, I might um, take you up on that if you do create that mentorship, Annika, because I am planning to do my national boards starting next year. I intended to start it two years ago, and then life happened and the pandemic happened. And so I just waited and thought I'd wait it out. But now I think I'm just going to dive in. But um, I can't imagine myself becoming an administrator, just because I do love that time in the classroom. And I love those one on one personal connections with the students kind of in line with what Monica was saying, like, I like that feeling of knowing that I'm in control of that environment and I'm kind of like, I can make sure that everything goes well and is okay in my own classroom. Um, I think that I have probably been through, I've been through some of the most difficult experiences that I think a teacher can go through within a school system because of all of the turnover um, with the administration that we've had at my school. And a lot of the like problems that have come along with that, just some crazy things. (laughs) Um, But I still enjoy teaching every day. I still love getting to be with my students each day. I have fun teaching. I like that. I am always learning from my students. I'm always learning about my profession. Um, I'm always learning about my content. And I really do enjoy teaching. So I think it's still the right place for me at this point. I'm kind of like Annika, and I sort of just stop and evaluate it every couple of years. Um, And I I do still enjoy being there. And I love my coworkers, and they're a big reason as to why I've stayed because I have just the best coworkers. if I were to leave education or if I were to leave being a classroom teacher, I could see myself doing curriculum development because I do really enjoy designing lessons and that kind of work. Um, I could also see myself pursuing um, teaching at a higher level, like at the coll- collegiate level. I think I would enjoy doing something like that, maybe creative writing or English. Um But I don't think that I'm going to leave being a classroom teacher anytime soon.
0: Well, your students will benefit from that, I am certain. And that goes for both of you. This has been a fantastic conversation. And I'm so glad to have had the chance to catch up with both of you tonight. Hey, do either of you have any last comments that you'd like to make for our listeners?
1: I just saw a tweet a little bit ago before we started meeting and it said check on your teacher friends they're not okay and so i just want to acknowledge it's a really challenging time right now um it continues to be we've made so many pivots in the last couple of years we really haven't had time to stop and think about all the pivots that we've taken and maybe what we've learned from those and what we want to take from those and so um we can't, we can't change everything at once, um, but I think uh, as we go on, we have to think about the glass half full mentality and all the things that we are doing and all the good things that are happening in our schools and our, in our districts.
0: Laura, any last comments?
2: I think Annika just said it perfectly. Um, it's been a real pleasure to chat with both of you and get to know you better as an educator, Annika and to catch up with you as well, Rad. Um, You are an inspiring teacher to me and it's been a real pleasure.
0: It's been a great evening and I can't think of anything I would rather have done.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for for the opportunity, Rad. This is really great. Laura, it was fun to learn more about you as an educator too.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, we've come to the end of this episode and we've had a great conversation with these two young ladies about why they love teaching and the leadership roles that they have held. We also heard about some incredible experiences, student teaching in Costa Rica and going to Finland and now heading to Zimbabwe for Laura. And also with uh, Annika, talked to her about her Teacher of the Year experience and what that was like and the platform that it gave her so that she had a voice for other teachers. Um, We also talked about collaboration and how important it is for building resilience in schools and Laura especially talked a lot about how important it had been in insulating them from the impacts associated with um, the tremendous shift they've had in administrators over the last six or seven years. Monica certainly talked about collaboration as well and how important it is because when they had dedicated time for collaboration, it gave them the ability to to uh, really focus on how to deal with anything from individual student issues, all the way up through professional growth for whole staff and how she had used that time to help organize her colleagues into groups and in addressing questions that have been given to them by their administration and how Annika organized groups to take on those questions because she felt like there was power in working together. I was also really glad to hear that both of these young ladies are going to pursue their national boards. It sounds like Annika is right at the end of hers and she's uh, anxious to help build a support structure within her school system to help teachers like Laura who is going to pursue hers beginning next year she says. Both of these teachers are clearly very reflective about their practice and I would say having gone through the process, that it certainly will be a big benefit to both of them in helping to develop their capacity to improve their practice through reflection. Next episode, we're gonna speak to a couple of ladies from Maine about their leadership roles in their schools. One of them is a teacher at a private high school in Maine who has a formal role as the department chair of fine arts, and the other, as a technology coordinator, as well as a technology teacher and media specialist at a public high school in Maine. Both of these ladies have had a little bit more experience in education than Monica and Laura, and we'll look forward to hearing about their experiences as teacher leaders. That's all for now. Sail on, friends. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for listening to Sail in the Seas of Education today captained by me, Dr. Rad Mayfield. I'm a public school teacher with 27 years of experience in navigating education as both a science teacher and a teacher leader in my schools. I hope this voyage has been enlightening and has helped you to see ways you might better reach the shores that you seek. I also hope that you will join me for the next voyage as a sail with a new crew each time on this amazing expedition. May you experience fair winds and following seas on your own voyage of discovery and education. Happy sailing.